This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. It has been just over a year since the historic Abraham Accords between Israel and the UAE and others were signed. Dr. Glenn Siegel has written an academic paper entitled The Abraham Accords, From Extremist Politics to Diplomacy. But what impact has the Accords actually had? And he mentions the word peace somewhere in that paper. I'm delighted to have Dr. Glenn Siegel join me now. Dr. Siegel, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sharice. It's always a pleasure to be joining you and all the listeners to Chai FM. Dr. Siegel, um, I was talking to a previous guest who is from the Sephardi community, and she was saying that on a technical level, we've got these uh, accords, but people to people, what has the impact been? Is there a warmth that has come between the people or is it an orchestrated warmth? There definitely is a warmth. We are looking that the declaration was made in August. The accord was signed between the Emirates and Bahrain in September. And that was followed shortly afterwards by Morocco and Sudan. And the warmth has extended to things that we have never seen with the treaties with uh, Egypt 40 years ago and Jordan 25 years ago. Israeli tourists have flocked to the Emirates and more so to Morocco. Morocco is a historical Safari homeland for tens of thousands of Israeli Moroccan citizens and they have been received in Morocco as if they are homecoming. We've seen a people-to-people warmth that we have not seen before. And Israeli tourists who have gone to the Emirates have been welcomed. This was in the middle of COVID. And when we had restrictions, for example, on weddings in Israel, there was a lot of Israeli weddings which were held in the Emirates, open skies, and with a, a kashrut coming from Jerusalem, and um, the locals celebrated the wedding at the hotel with, you know, the waiters joined in the celebrations. So there is a definite people-to-people warmth that we did not expect before. Dr. Siegel, you speak about peace between countries that there was never actually a war. What do you mean by peace, peace between the two? Article 6 of the Courts talks about a common goal to counter terrorism and the threats of extremist and violent organizations. The United Emirates and Bahrain especially are very, very involved in anti-terrorist activities in the Gulf. In Yemen, for example, they have deployed also to the Emirate Air Force, even deployed to Libya during the 2011 operation. We had an Israeli blue flag Air Force exercise a few weeks ago here in Israel, and the Emirates Commander-in-Chief of the Air Force came to attend that. So we find that we're not used as if it was a conflict between the two countries, but the peace being seen as a common united front to achieve peace in the region, specifically against terrorism. And terror is not just a matter of the terrorist groups, it's those who sponsor the groups as well. And we know for a fact that uh, Iran is a common threat to both countries, and Iran is a threat in terms of its sponsorship of terrorist organizations which are threatening both countries. So the peace here is the common front to achieve peace regionally. Dr. Siegel, what about Saudi Arabia? Where does it stand? Saudi Arabia is standing behind in the scenes and agreeing very quietly to all these efforts. 
does realize that its own domestic situation is very precarious, realizes things are moving forward and are changing. And the Abraham Accords gives a fresh view to how it could play a role in the region by orchestrating things which it cannot do publicly. There is no doubt in anyone's mind that before the Abraham Accords were signed on the White House lawn in the middle of September last year, that both the Emirates and the Bahrainis turned to receive official behind-the-scenes consent from the Saudi Arabian king and the Saudi family, and this consent was given. Obviously, it would be inappropriate for the Saudis to openly say so, and the situation is not quite ready yet for the Saudi Arabians to actually join the Abraham Accords. But once again, if we look at the word peace, Israel and Saudi Arabia have been at war. And if you go down south to Eilat, they are actually our neighbors. If you look out from Eilat, you see directly next to us, to the left, if you're looking south, is Jordan. To the right is Egypt, and we've been at war with both. But yet, just on the horizon of the sea, on the left-hand side, is Saudi Arabia, and we've never been at war with them. So this, once again, is... And they are with the Emirates and the Bahrainis against the terrorist threat, for example, in Yemen, on their southern border. So peace is involved with Saudi Arabia as well. I mentioned right at the beginning of the show that you are, of course, an expert in terrorism and are associated with the University of Haifa. Terrorism, the threat of Yemen you've spoken about, but also Iran. Is there a united purpose in fighting Iran? Yes. Everybody has their own reasons for doing so. Now, Saudi Arabia is the, the bastion, the stronghold, the religious might of the Sunni world, which is 85% of all Muslims. And Iran, on the other hand, is the Shiite mighty hold and strong and the bastion, which is about 15% of the Muslims. The difference between the two is the Sunni, which is the majority, see Muhammad as the last prophet, and the Shia do not. So the Shia are viewed by the Sunnis as heretics. And uh, the Shia look at the Sunni very much in terms of sort of like ultra-Orthodox conservative and not moving with the times. So there, everybody has a slightly different view. And obviously, uh, in terms of Israel, um, Iran is sponsoring terrorist organizations directly, specifically Hezbollah and the Israeli Air Force. So over 500 missions last year to counter arms transfers, which are threatening our northern border. Yes, so with the Iranian support of Hamas, which also has, for example, uh, Qatari support and so forth. That's a more complicated situation. And Hamas is obviously tangled in with the Palestinian issue, but Hezbollah is not. Hezbollah is a southern Lebanese, it's a Syria issue, and it is a direct Iranian threat. So everybody has their own interests, and this is paramount to understanding that those own interests coalesce, that everybody's interests coalesce against Iran and Iran's support of both the terrorist organizations as proxies, but also the Iranian nuclear program. And it's not just a matter of having a nuclear program. It's also a matter of having a missile delivery program where those missiles can strike not only Israel, Saudi Arabia, and they did strike Saudi Arabia. They destroyed an oil refinery. <laughs> Let's be honest. There's been direct threats. They've destroyed shipping in the Gulf, civilian shipping, oil tankers. But these missiles can now strike further. 
they can actually reach European countries. And this brings in places like NATO, uh, the United States support of Europe. So it is a very, very touchy situation, very precarious. And the Abraham Accords are a fresh light of a different way to achieve regional peace by looking not only at citizen-to-citizen contact, but also government-to-government contact. We are seeing this also in the oil and energy sector. Israel's monopoly, anti-monopoly trading board said that it, uh, the existing companies, for example, Delic, had to sell 23% of its share of the Tamar gas field in the Mediterranean. And this was bought out by an Emirati company, Manbala, to the tune of $1 billion, which is about 12 billion rand. So we see that United Emirates is also becoming involved in the commercial sector, beyond that of individuals, tourism, and beyond that of government-to-government anti-terrorist. And obviously in education, education in the Abraham cause is flourishing. The links which are going on between all four countries in the Abraham Accords are amazing. I'm actually now participating right now in a conference with the American Emirates, uh, American University in the Emirates. In about an hour's time, I'm giving my, my lecture online to them. And this, this is an amazing situation. So we find at all levels, also in terms of technology transfers, um, the Bahraini uh, airline is using the Eilat Airport, the Ramon Airport, as an international hub. So it's, you know, you, you can go down a long list of the collaboration, which is amazing that's going on. We've witnessed it go off the Abraham Accords for a second, but just to talk very quickly about Afghanistan and what the implication of that is for Israel, the situation there. We do understand 20 years is a long time to have your forces in another country and uh, it was time to take them out. Unfortunately, the way it was done was very much in terms of reminiscent of a uh, low the flag in the middle of the night kind of British colonial in Africa. It was kind of um, Ford and Nixon low the flag and run with your tail between your legs kind of Vietnam situation. So it wasn't done in the right way. It's, it's too far away to actually impact directly on Israel, but uh, what its impact is, is the way things are done in the White House is not uh, the best way to do things. And this is the cause of concern. It's a cause of concern to see that uh, the American administration and Biden is not actually uh, taking full cogescence of its actions. It's just doing it and it's not doing it in the proper way. But Afghanistan is not really an Israeli issue, uh, neither is, uh, for example, the Pakistan-Indian conflict or uh, the North-South Korea conflict, but relationship with the, the White House or the Oval Office are. So we are actually uh, concerned about that, and uh, we are working on diplomacy track to ensure that uh, things are better on track. For example, they want to uh, open up the Palestinian consulate in Jerusalem. An Israeli-American uh, diplomacy is ongoing to try and prevent that because that might be uh, devastating. and We don't want it done in the middle of the night sort of thing, the way that they ran away from Afghanistan. <laughs> Dr. Siegel, I always enjoy talking to you because uh, we can cover a really broad range of topics and your insight is phenomenal. You very closely also related to, to the Free State University. It's correct to say that you may, Professor, 
That is correct. I went through the entire uh, hierarchy of department, faculty, and executive community of the Senate. Uh, officially, I am a, a visiting professor with the title and position of professor of the University of the Free State in Bloemfontein. Uh, we have to thank our, our good friend, the head of the department there, Professor Hussein Solomon, who championed that on the department level, Professor Heidi Hudson, who championed that uh, as Dean of the Faculty of Humanities, and Professor Philip Berger, the pro-vice-chancellor, who passed it through the, the Senate. So we have a lot of friends there. I also have to add that I'm a visiting lecturer at the University of Cape Town Summer School in, in January, and uh, we have uh, Jonathan Yak to thank for having introduced me to the system over there as well. So we, we find that the Israeli-South uh, African academic uh, interchange, education interchange, is as good as the Abraham Accords. Sign one of those as well with Pretoria. That is absolutely fantastic. I hope the warmth <laughs> that you experience, the people-to-people warmth that you're experiencing with the UAE will also transpire with South Africa and Israel. So I'm, I'm holding out for that. Professor Glenn Siedel, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. And a Shabbat Shalom to all the listeners on High FM.